you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I don't want to make friends. I just want to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC. Or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Most stocks simply cannot withstand the gravitational pull of this incredibly bearish bond market. The sudden increase in interest rates all over the place, the long end, the short end, the middle, has created havoc among multiple products. It's like a giant grim reaper that cuts down sector after sector. And that's how you get days like today, which at one point was so ugly, but then rebounded to close. Dow still finished off 74 points, but the S&P edged up 0.01%. And then NASDAQ held up all day, finishing very strong. I want you to keep that in mind, plus seven. You know, I got to tell you something. We're going to have to spend some time on the NASDAQ because it was truly incredible. But the damage, the damage, before we get that, it can be extreme. Let's take a look at a calm stock, a stock that I've had on many times, American Electric Power, AEP, the Sterling Columbus, Ohio Utility, one of our greatest, terrific management, lower than expected power costs, great location. And what happened? I'll tell you what happens. AAP, AEP turned out to be just simply piggybacking off the bond market. Now it's got a double whammy. The company's always financing and always paying out generous amounts of cash to you, the shareholders, always meeting new air quality demands. But with the collapse of the bond market, a fine company like AEP has seen its stock completely obliterated. The house of pain. Like all the other utilities, you can't escape the Grim Reaper of higher bond yields. Today, the Grim Reaper spoiled the breakup of Kellogg. Oh, could have been such a big day. And the W.K. Kellogg, the Sleepy North American Cereal Company, and Kellanova for snacks, Cheez-Its, Pringles. Normally, one of these would be attractive to somebody. But they're now taking it on the chin from the bond market at the same time that retailers like Costco are fighting back hard to bring down packaged foods. Every day they try to get those prices down. It's starting to work. Now, we have to ask ourselves before we get too negative. Is anyone immune to the bond market rebound? Well, not really. No company can be immune because it is, it, it is the stock market. Oh, that, hold on just a second. Everything, everything except gold and to lesser extent crypto, they're all priced off for treasuries in some way, shape, or form. If you can get 5% risk-free, that's the bond market telling us that we're simply not doing enough to beat inflation. We know that inflation erodes the value of anything that's paper. And after that red-hot purchasing manager's number this morning, it's clear that erosion's happening a little faster than we thought because there's still too much buoyancy in this economy even after all these rate hikes. Oh, so many companies and individuals refinance their artificially low rates. Well, you know what? That was terrific. But there's just too much money in the coffers, too many people hanging on. Even if the customers need financing, think orders, or the landlord needs rent, or the utility needs capital for the endless capital program. Hey, who doesn't need capital, right? 
There are very few companies with the kinds of balance sheets and the kinds of demands for products that allow them to escape from being hostage to the bond market. Food companies, they certainly can't do it. Machinery companies can't do it. That whole industry is fueled by borrowing. The retailers, please. They're already busy trying to get financing for the holidays. Healthcare, drug stocks are in trouble because they generally pay big dividends. And they're now losing those dividend investors to the bond market competition, which is risk-free. Meanwhile, the medical technology makers, well, they're relying on financing. Otherwise, no hospital would be able to afford those machines. So what's left? Well, how about the biggest and the best? Yep, only the mega capitalization stocks that can defy it. They can defy it. They can defy it, which is pretty much exactly what we saw today. No wonder the Nasdaq did just fine, even when the Dow rolled over. It's the companies that are so flush. You know, I call them nation states for that reason, a.k.a. the Magnificent Seven. It's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Alphabet, it's Meta, it's NVIDIA, it's Microsoft, and it's Tesla. These are companies with the possible exception of Tesla at some point in its own car cycle. That, need, that only need their own money. And boy, do they ever have it. They are actually coining a fortune with their considerable cash words. That's right. They're making money on their deposits. It's funny. We used to look at their gigantic cash positions and their cash management attempts to try to bring in a little extra income. It's just a kind of waste of time and abstraction. Now they're huge winners. And I think you'll begin to see a line item in their quarters, the money they make off their cash that could finally offset some of their miserable losses from that darn strong dollar. By the way, it's a little unfair that the dollar's still strong given how much our financing our government needs. But then again, the rest of the world's not exactly covering self glory either. Think about it. Think about it. Think about, about who in the modern age has an indispensable product. How about seven of them? I got them. Take the case of Kramer stalwart NVIDIA. Sure, almost every member of the Magnificent Seven wishes they didn't have to go hat in hand to NVIDIA for its incredible cards. Those are like chips. But they buy them. They pay a lot of money for them, even as they claim they're working on something competitive to NVIDIA. Imagine if AMD doesn't have anything that's competitive to NVIDIA AI chips right now. How can anybody else? Even Elon Musk had to tip his hat to NVIDIA's indispensability. You want artificial intelligence? NVIDIA is artificial intelligence. You think it is indispensable? Sure, until your competitors have it. Then suddenly you need it very badly. If you're Amazon, can you imagine the power you need to learn how to use technology that stores the data and then how much speed you need to allow your AI to think and analyze the entire web? What can our little minds do? Our teeny little minds. Last week, we featured a company called Confluent, which is a software that allows a company like Walmart to calculate in seconds the impact of getting a pair of 3430 chinos, don't worry, I'm getting mine taken into 32, to a customer anywhere, including where there will be enough pants left over for everybody else. With that tech, Walmart can crush everyone, uh, maybe except Amazon, all thanks to Confluence software bolted to NVIDIA's hardware. Everybody else needs this stuff, too, if they want to stay competitive. What else? How about for years? Microsoft and Alphabet hoarded cash like there was no tomorrow. Same with Meta and Alpha. Apple. They were simply masters of cash, as if they almost thought that this day would come. They, like they had a vision. I always felt badly for Luca Maestri, the brilliant CFO of Apple, as he frantically tried to make a little money with Apple's cash hoard. Now I can't wait to see how much Apple makes on its cash with much higher rates. I know it's not something they want to stuff. They make, they make technology, but now they're making money on their money. And they should be proud of how they financed the ridiculously low rates and had a lot of cash on the sidelines once rates went higher. The banks seem pathetic versus Cupertino. First National Bank of Cupertino is much better than First National Bank of... No, better than J.P. Morgan. Even. Meta can't spend its money fast enough, even as Mark Zuckerberg certainly seemed to be trying. But now he's pronounced it the year of efficiency, and he stopped the year of living recklessly. Well done, Mark. 
Now, before you say that in the end it doesn't matter, if even the Magnificent Seven will get hit by bonds, I want to tell you that Goldman's David Costin, smart fella, penned in a brilliant note this weekend. These stocks were the ones that had been hardest hit initially by the huge swings in bonds that brought us these insanely high yields. The mega cap techs are closer to being de-risked than any other segment of the market because they already went down so much. All they need is a break in the velocity of this decline. Perhaps because oil stops this historic run, it sure reversed hard today. Beginning of, of the reprieve at long last. Or perhaps because we've gotten so oversold that we have to bounce as we have at this level all year. Or maybe, just maybe, the mega caps have gone from being pariahs because of worries about inflation and long-term value to being the kings of the realm. The ones you can buy on the way down, knowing that at some point, perhaps where the 20-year crosses the Fed funds rate and yield bonds will calm down. At that point, these companies will be recognized for their solvency, even as our country deserves to have its credit rate downgraded. Their solvency and their indispensability, which is unparalleled, make our government's bond market, make our borrowing capacity seem ridiculous. Bottom line. We're in an unusual situation, but skyrocketing bond yields are bad news for the vast bulk of the market. The mega cap techs are the big exception. You want to make it through this difficult moment? Once again, you know what you need? You need the Magnificent Seven. And then there's all the rest. Jerry in Missouri, Jerry. Go ahead, Jerry. I'm ready for you. Hello. How about, maybe we take Joseph. No. Jerry? Hey, Jim, how you doing? Man, couldn't be better. How about you? We took a, we had a big win yesterday. Hey, I worked on the <laughs> yeah. jury duty today. I actually liked it. I tell you, I like cool. being, I like serving. I like being a citizen. It's a dynamite thing. If anybody gets called for jury duty and you try to duck it, come see me. I'll tell you you're wrong. Go ahead. Wrong. Jim, there is a travel boom going on, yet it seems that many of these stocks are being beaten down. One such stock is at its all-time lows and it's coming out of bankruptcy. What is going on with Hertz? All right, now, you know, that's a really good question because they got Steve Scherz running it, and he was the dynamite CFO over at Goldman. I think the stock's dirt cheap. I've been wrong because I'm a believer in sure and I'm a believer in the fleet, but I'll tell you what I think is happening. People are starting to think they got too expensive. That's the big rap. It's too expensive to rent a car, and that's what's going on. They got to lower prices. They don't want to hear that. I just told them. Joseph in Florida. Joseph. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Joseph. What's happening? Go Eagles, man. What a great week to watch the Eagles this week. Someone was saying, someone was complaining. They were complaining. They said, oh, well, it's really ugly. You know what? I want another. If we, have, if we win it 17 ugly times and then we win ugly in the Super Bowl, you know what we've done? We've won. All right. I, I agree. Exactly. I totally agree with you. They played excellent. Um, I wanted to ask you a very important question here. Sure. Um, with the current environment of automotive unions, and their direction for employee compensation and benefits. How long can we expect Tesla to be able to pay its workers so much less than UAW, and will that affect profits long-term? Okay, I'm going to give you my rap on this, all right? And I, this I comes from being a, a guy who helped lead us a uh, Wildcat strike, was a member of union for many years. The union's overplayed its hand. America wants cars, okay? And they want inexpensive cars. And Tesla's going to be able to provide that. That's what America wants. It's not standing in line with the protesters. It's standing in line with people who can make cars. That's all we care about in this country. We want a fair deal for the people. All right, skyrocketing bond yields are bad news for the vast bulk of the market. But the one big exception right now are the mega cap techs. You betcha. Oh, man, tonight, hindsight is 2020. So at the start of each quarter, I like to look back on where we're coming from to help maybe get a better sense of where we're going. So tonight, I'm breaking down the top Dow five stocks. Set you up for what's to come. 
Then a real battle is brewing with analysts on tractor supply. I'm taking a close look at the bull case and the bear case and see where I come down. And October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So in honor of this special month, we always do this on Mad Money. We always, we always focus on what really matters. We're checking in with women's health company, Hologic, to hear what lies ahead and what we all can do for awareness. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At the start of every new quarter, I like to look back on where we're coming from because it can tell you a lot about the state of the market going forward. And if you go back over the past three months, I can't believe which stock led the Dow Jones Industrial Average last quarter. Amgen, the perennially underwhelming pharmaceutical company that's seen its price to earnings multiple shrink bit by bit for years, as even its biggest discoveries get overshadowed by its competitors. But this quarter, it all came together for the former growth company and late entry to the Dow Jones average, just got out of three years ago. Amgen made some real inroads to cancer treatments in some of the largest markets. And they also put up some studies that show that Repatha, their anti-cholesterol drug, maybe should be taken by far more people than currently use it. If you believe that all cholesterol is bad for you, as I do, not only everyone in America should be on this thing. 
But the biggest thing that happened to Amgen, though, had less to do with the company itself and more to do with the public defrocking of Lena Khan. Yeah, the dogmatic head of the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, who tried and failed to block Amgen's acquisition of Verizon Pharma, an orphan drug company with great pipeline and excellent prospects and no overlap. See, this case was a total travesty. Khan came up with some novel argument about how Amgen would be able to browbeat the pharmacy benefit managers into taking the full suite of products at inflated prices if the deal went through. Never mind that it's the PBMs who do most of the browbeating. Never mind that nobody's ever accused Amgen of these practices. Never mind that management was willing to stipulate they'd never do it. All that meant nothing to Khan, who just kept pursuing the case anyway, because she seems to believe that uh, every merger is anti-competitive. Every one. But after making little headway in court back in September, the FTC made a deal where Amgen basically agreed to what it had already stipulated to agree to in the form of a consent order. Then the merger was allowed to close. Oh, it was a gigantic win for Amgen, gigantic win for business, allowed its stock to roar, and a gigantic loss for Lena Khan's FTC. Between Amgen and her inability to block the Microsoft Activision deal, another move that made zero sense in light of the antitrust laws we actually have on the books, I think we're seeing the high-water mark of what I would call anti-business insanity. I just hope she drops her vendetta against Amazon before it becomes one more black mark against what I always thought was a very good agency from the day it was formed. She's treating American business like it's some sort of socialist law school summer project. What a travesty. Second best performer in the Dow last quarter is Caterpillar. Now, something amazing happened to Cat this quarter. Going into this period, the company was widely viewed as a China play, a proxy that needed great economic growth in the PRC to make its numbers. Given the collapse of China and the dreaded inverted yield curve... Here in the U.S., conventional wisdom said the cat stock was a goner and short sellers piled into it. But then Jim Uppleby, the unsinkable cat CEO, came to New York and traced out a different scenario. He said the cat was more levered to data centers than to China, that mining, which is actually doing pretty well these days, and oil drilling are more important than China. And then he pointed out the cat's dealer network, which almost everyone in the analyst community thinks has too much inventory, actually won't have enough inventory once the federal government's infrastructure bonanza hits. Slowly but surely, the bears have been converted to bulls, yet the stock still sells for just 13 times next year's earnings, which is a big reason why we've been reluctant to lock in a nice gain on this one for the Chapel Trust. I believe Caterpillar can go to 30, 300. It go to 300, 30 points, 40 points. Easy. If you want more detail on, that, on the $300 price target that we're using, you can join the CNBC Investing Club. Third best performer, Chevron. We know oil's been ridiculously powerful this year until today, taking off from nothing simply because the Russians and the Saudis have cut back production in order to pop up the market. Meanwhile, our president, who dumped millions of barrels into the, uh, into the market from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at high prices to help push oil lower, uh, said he was going to buy back the oil, and then he didn't. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, Mr. President. Now there's not enough left in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve for Biden to push down the price. The Saudis and the Russians seem determined not to let oil come down. Meanwhile, our own oil industry has only increased production by the low single digits because they don't want to knock prices down either. So the geopolitical chess match, not organic demand, has pulled oil higher. Perhaps that's why the oil stocks haven't been anywhere near as strong as crude itself. That's why Chevron was only the third best performer in the Dow for the third quarter. Judging purely by the price of oil, it should have been number one. It got killed today, by the way. I like the oils here, and I wish we owned Chevron for the Chapel Trust, but we prefer Pioneer Natural Resources for what I think would be a giant special dividend, and Kotara, which we've been buying here right now, for its exposure to natural gas, which could soar if we get a cold winter either here or in Europe because it's now one price internationally. By the way, Chevron's 3.6% yield was the type of th- uh, thing it used to attract people to the stock market before we went to this crazy bond market we got now. Fourth best performer, Intel of all things. Why did Intel run so much? I think it's because the company's simply not doing as badly as it used to be. 
pretty low bar. But there are always people looking for the Intel of old. Whenever they get a whiff of it, they can't resist. I got news for these buyers. Intel may be better than it was, and I congratulate them for that. But this company certainly ain't what it used to be. Intel isn't first in any area of the tech food chain that truly matters. Their best hope is that we get a huge personal computer renaissance. I said that in honor of uh, my friend Will Frost from Britain. But if you think PCs are about to get a whole lot better, I'd much rather play that with AMD. While I'm glad that Intel's no longer spiraling out of control, I, I, that's not really a ringing endorsement. Even as Intel's adherents have never really thrown in the towel, they seem to believe it has some sort of vast skunk works project somewhere, maybe in the, I don't know, Barstow, uh, that will make it possible for Intel to take the AI mantle from NVIDIA. I think that's nuts. Intel's got, gotten into the habit of being real late to major trends, even though it says it's always number one. But that's OK. I don't mind braggadocio now and then. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Finishing up the top five is a company that dinged the whole group's invincibility over the year, United Health Group, UNH. This managed care company talked about an unexpected spike in operations post-COVID, something that's bad news if you're in the health insurance business. It took the whole group down, but in a sign that those worries are now in the past, the stock has had a remarkable comeback. Personally, I'd rather own the much cheaper Humana, which we own for the Charles and we've championed for ages. I expect Humana to see some meaningful outperformance from now to the end of the year. So here's the bottom line. When you look at the Dow's five top performers last quarter, most of them were, let's say, unexpected, at least by Wall Street. And at least for the quarter, the ugliness in the bond market didn't create the kind of havoc that some of us would have expected. While the companies knew they were getting better, the market misjudged them. I wouldn't be surprised if they give us more strength now that we're in the fourth quarter, but only if we see an end to the 10-year tyranny, which is after, after this historic rise, is always a possibility. Mad Money, we back after the break. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Last week, we got some conflicting analyst reports about tractor supply, a company I've long been a fan of. This is a retailer focused on recreational farmers, ranchers, homeowners, and gardeners. Hey, terrific inventory. Some of them even have vets. I like one of the vet at mine. It's rural. Even though I love the concept, tractor supplies had a tough time of late, with the stock plunging from $251 at its all-time high this April down to 203 as of today. That's a big decline for this stock. That's in part because their latest quarter was what we in the business call not good. Tractor Supply had previously been one of the most consistent operators around, but this time they missed numbers across the board and they slashed their full year forecast. Uncharacteristic. They've been projecting 3.5 to 5.5% same-store sales growth for the year. Now they're talking 1.3% to 2.5% growth. On the conference call, Tractor Supply's bankable CEO, Hal Lawton, formerly president of Macy's, acknowledged the difficulty of the quarter. But he's still playing. I don't know. I, I, I think he's not pretty confident about the future. He actually talked about accelerating his plans to open more stores, which is not what you do when you're worried about the state of your business. Now, after those results, several analysts had naturally sliced numbers. They had to. With Seth Sigmund at Barclays also downgrading the stock from overweight to equal weight, that's what Wall Street's beat for taking from buy to hold. He didn't like the uncertain outlook. 
And then about a month ago, the Wall Street Journal ran a story about Tire Supply focused on its unique challenge in a post-pandemic world. They have to retain their longtime customers while also retaining their new customers, who are mostly people who moved to the country during COVID. Oh, it's an awkward challenge. There's so many of these are post-COVID. You know that. But I didn't see anything in the article that made me sound like it was an existential crisis. But that was the backdrop for Tractor Supply coming into last week when we got a series of conflicting analyst calls in the stock. I love these face-off situations because it lets you put pit the best bullish arguments against the best bearish arguments in order to arrive at your own conclusions and show you what impacts the stock price, which is a lot of what money that we... What are we really about here at Mad Money? We're trying to show you what impacts the stock price. And this works, this face-off. Let's take them one by one. Last Wednesday, Gordon Haskett, retail analyst Chuck Grom, kicked things off with a discouraging piece about September retail traffic, where he downgraded Burlington Stores, which is very rarely downgraded, Macy's, which sadly has been downgraded many times, and Tractor Supply. Now, this boutique research firm has its own unique ratings for stocks. And technically, Grom only took Tractor Supply from an outright buy, that was rating to their second highest tier, which is Accumulate. Like the positive version of when I went on Arrested Development and upgraded the Bluth company from... Sell, sell, sell. Simply to... Don't buy, don't buy, don't buy, don't buy. Still, he cut his price target from the then 203 stock from 235 to 215, essentially saying that rather than having 16% upside, it's more like 6%. And the commentary in his downgrade read the same way, saying that the estimates for tax supply now seem too high given what we know about the state of discretionary spending and inflation in this country. Basically, Grom thinks the company's gone from... I'm going to struggle to make the numbers near term. He makes a compelling case that will happen, especially when it faces tough comparisons in the fourth quarter. He's not actually changing his earnings estimate for next year, even though he notes that it might be too high. But he's assigning a lower price earnings multiple to that number, given the newfound uncertainty here. Now, the next morning, very next morning, we got rebuttal from Michael Baker at DA Davidson, who not only upgraded tax supply, but he also raised his price target from $250 to $280 and added the stock to his firm's Best of breed bison list. Best of breed bison. I like that big guy. This is part of a wider effort to identify the top companies across a range of industries. They put tax supply for retail because it's past its 12-point screen. Baker was effusive about Tractor Supply's long-term growth prospects, noting that the company has a market-leading position in a growing but fragmented marketplace, which indeed it does. And it estimated its total adjustable market has grown by more than 60% since the pandemic began. And that's, again, thanks to the great migration from the cities to the countries. He also likes the remodeling program, so do I, and the new store opening schedule. Best of all, Baker claims that Tractor Supply's five-year investment cycle is peaking this year, meaning their margins should be able to expand going forward. And that'd be great news for the earnings. Now, there's one big caveat to the D.A. Davidson call, which is that Baker says this is a long-term call on Tractor Supply. Hmm, definitely not a short-term call, because he actually cut his near-term estimates. In fact, this bull at D.A. Davidson somehow has a lower earnings forecast for 2024 than the more bearish guy, Gordon Asgett. He's just willing to pay more for those earnings because Tractor Supply is best of breed. And it is. Finally, the bull case uh, uh, for this one got a boost on Friday morning when another boutique research firm, Wolf Research, reinitiated coverage of the stock with an outperforming and a $239 price target. Here, too, the analyst wasn't willing to stick his neck out for the short term. Uh, he did acknowledge that the near term is a concern, but he likes the long term story so much that it's worth the risk. As he sees it, Taxfly can earn twelve dollars and fifty seven cents per share in twenty twenty five, and this is how the math works because it's p times e, you have to figure out the m. Okay, if you're willing to pay nineteen, that's the m times those earnings. That makes this a two hundred thirty nine dollars stock. That's cheaper than Home Depot. All right, so where do I come down on this? Listen, the last quarter for Tractor Supply was indeed jarring. 
This was the first time in at least five years that this former beat and raised machine has cut its guidance. And I share the concerns of the three analysts about the near-term outlook, because right now we've got a truly difficult environment for all retailers, save maybe Walmart, Kramer Faves, Costco, and Amazon. But at the end of the day, I like to bet on the best long-term stories and the best managers. None of the analysts I talked about even mentioned management. I think that's a mistake because CEO Hal Lawton is great at what he does. If anyone can navigate this tricky environment, it's him. As for all the back and forth about the right valuation for tractor supply, here's how I see it. The now incrementally more bearish Gordon Haskett analyst thinks you should pay 19 times next year's earnings for TSCO. The bulls think 25. What if we split the difference? Say 22 times next year's consensus assessment. Believe me, this is how these big money guys think. You know what that gives you? A $246 price target for tractor supply. That's a 21% gain from here. I'll take it. Bottom line, I think you can buy some tractor supply at these levels. And if the stock gets hit again after another tough quarter, which we're probably going to have, then you can back up the truck. At the end of the day, this is one of the most solid long-term stories from retail. You know that because otherwise the bullish analysts wouldn't be willing to stick their necks out for a company that just disappointed and saw its stock get clobbered. Short-term, not perfect. Longer term, I'm betting on Lawton and Traxxas Supply to make a solid comeback. Dave in Illinois. Dave! Dr. Kramer, my mad rough around the edges. Dave is characters unmuted. Unmute Dave. How are you? Dave in Illinois? Yeah, I'm here, Jim. Do you hear me? You sound better than ever. What's going on? Jim, this $40 billion cloud cybersecurity provider is already up 60% on the year. You interviewed CEO George Kurtz early last month, speaking predominantly about their new generative AI engine, Charlotte. Although beating estimates this last 10 quarters, it has yet to produce a profit. 40 analysts average a price target within... 20% of an upside. So, Jim, with CrowdStrike due to report late next month, will it finally turn a profit? Jim, Dave, it's thoughts? a great question. Uh, you know, I will tell you that uh, Mr. Kurtz did come on the show. He's got free cash flow going positive, and I think he's going to knock the ball out of the park with actual earnings. Hey, someone tried to come in me today where they said they had adjusted operating income that was good. And I'm like, you know, just I, mean, I want to go tell my wife, you can take the adjusted operating income and go to McDonald's, and you're not going to go to Bernadette. You just got the adjustables, okay? Let's go to Richard in Virginia. Richard. Hi, Jim. Uh, great Eagles game on Sunday, right? Uh, it's a W. I love Ws. Yeah. Hey, I need your help with Lily. Sure. It's bounced off its 50-day moving average. I mean, it's trading terribly. Do you think that that's about it? Is it going to rebound? Or Yeah, I, I think it will. I mean, you know what we have to do, Richard? We have to see the actual numbers. What's happened is Lily's had one of the greatest runs of all time. And I think the drug, the, the actual drug, okay, is going to be the greatest performer of all time. But the problem is right now it's had such a big run that it's just very difficult to be able to say that this is, you know, how it can just continue to continue, continue to go up. All right. Mongiorno is a great drug. It's got that competitor with the Wigobi, but they're both, uh, the market's big enough for both. Track supply is one of the best long-term stores, stories in retail. And if the stock gets hit at these levels, I think you got to get ready to back up the truck. Much more mad money ahead, including as we turn the calendar month into October, I'm taking a look at the latest technology in breast cancer screenings with whole logic. Then, uh, I come out here every night to help you find a bull market no matter what the economic backdrop. But with long rates continuing their march higher, regardless of what's going on with short rates, 
Well, we've reached a difficult point where I think that there are fewer stocks that are going to be able to go up than there were before. Not a bear market, just not a great market. And all your calls rapid fire to its edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Yesterday, the calendar flipped October, which, among other things, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Well, that's why tonight we're checking in with one of the leading names in women's health care, and that's Hologic. It's a medical technology company focused on diagnostic equipment, imaging systems, surgical products, and women's health that we have championed for ages. Today, Hologic ran the opening belt NASDAQ to kick off the month's worth of activities promoting breast cancer screenings. That's a great cause. At the same time, we got to look a little bit deeper in the fundamentals. Stock has been trading sideways. There's a real COVID thing. Just, let's just call it overhang, and we're going to address it, all right? Let's check in with Steve McMillan. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Hologic to learn more. Mr. McMillan, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to see you again. All right, Steve, we're going to talk about the stock, but first I want to talk about, and I love your tie. So, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the issue. How aware are we? How much more do we have to do? And I know you're nonstop at it. So what can we do as individuals to get the word out? To get women screened. As I've said this morning, actually on the Today Show, we said, look, we can make the greatest machines in the world. But if women don't get screened, that's the biggest thing. So that's the big part of we had Martina Navratilova to get the message out. Because when you think about it, what's happened, particularly in COVID time, women have prioritized the other people in the family. And what happens is instead of their annual screen, suddenly two, three or four years have gone by and they didn't get their mammogram. And breast cancer detected early is almost invariably, you know, the survival rate is almost 100 percent. OK, so then uh, I went over this with my wife because I said I was going to see you. She's ask them, are there people who can't afford it? And what's going, what can you do for them? It is largely covered everywhere. What's been great between, frankly, the insurance companies, but also most states and Medicare, they have all made sure that there are no barriers from a true cost standpoint. So between Medicaid and then a lot of state level things, there was even the federal government did the PALS Act. So cost should not be an issue really for anybody. Okay. now I also I know it's breast cancer awareness, but cancer in women, it's just horrendous. There are other things that your company has worked on to also uh, prevent or catch other forms of cancer beforehand, early. Yes, cervical cancer is the other big one, that we invented the modern-day pap test. So in addition to inventing 3D mammography, we also invented the modern-day pap test, and we do our pap plus HPV testing. And cervical cancer, like breast cancer, is one of these that if you detect it early, it's almost, you know, virtually can be treated very simply, you know, much easier for the patient, much less cost for the system, and we can almost eradicate deaths from cervical cancer by continuing on the great path that we're on today. Okay. All right. Now, Hologic itself swung into action, like few companies, in order to be able to detect COVID. Wherever we go, we tend to forget how bad things were. Not you. You spent a huge amount of your time and your company's capital doing the right thing. But also, those machines are being used again. But I think it, some people might think, well, you know what? They got off their game. But what you really did was you get on your game, but you helped solve something. Yeah. And that may not have made your the best 18 months uh, for profits, but you did it. Yes. Yeah, we're so proud of what we did. And, you know, we responded. The world needed COVID tests. We produced over 300 million of the molecular tests for COVID, the ones that truly work. And we placed Panthers around the world. So we're the world leaders in that area. What it's done now is that business has gone away. People are looking at that and thinking, okay, what's left? 
But what they missed is we strengthened our core because every one of our core businesses this year, we guided at the start of the year and we've delivered, has, is growing at double-digit rates. So our breast cancer business, our surgical business, and our molecular diagnostics. But because of the COVID tail, to your point, the, comp, the comps have looked a little funny this year, as if we're going down when the core business is stronger than ever. Well, I mean, let's think about this. If there weren't COVID, you would have done organic growth of 18.4%. Now, that is impossible to find. Yeah. So I looked at it and I said, "This, you're not alone. I, I'm dealing with the same thing for Chapel Trust position we have with Danaher, another company that did the right thing. And everyone totally. thinks, wow, they're falling off. These yeah. are companies, Thermo Fisher had it. There's just a couple companies that really met the call of the government and the stocks are paying the price, which to me says, wait a second, let's not be so short-sighted. I've known Hologic for years. I wish someone would look at the chart. Yeah. Go tenure. Well, and you see what you guys have been up to. Ten years, and you that's because that's your tenure, and it's been a remarkable tenure. Uh, we'll take that. We'll also take years 11 and 12 when they, uh, when they come through. And it is, as you know, stocks kind of go funny occasionally, right? This year we're dealing with still that COVID hangover. Right. But that core business, as you said, we'll put our organic growth rate with anybody. Well, that leads me to something that you said on a call that I loved. What was the biggest mistake you made about your company? Oh, not believing as much in our core business when I got there. I'm impressed you paid attention to that. You betcha. That our core business has continued to grow stronger and faster than I ever imagined 10 years ago. And they all have kinds of moats that I know I like when I see a business. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone really go and try to even nip on the heels of some of those areas? They do. And, you know, we go against some great competitors, including the Thermos and Danners, right. who I have incredible respect for. But at the end of the day, we have installed bases. The installed base of our 3D mammography machines right. around the world, the installed base of our Panther, and even the installed base of our surgical business, those are incredible moats that I don't think get fully valued. And we just keep saying, just keep looking at those organic numbers They're right great. now. We'll stack them up with anybody. Right, well, I'm going to give our viewers a little heads up, a little too much knowledge here. I was out for a week, but it wasn't vacation. I had laparoscopic surgery. I had, uh, quadru- I had quadruple hernia. Wow. It's you guys, right? So you know how to do it. it we, we are very much of us. So you've had a couple of days. You're, yeah, you're yeah. I, 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 I kind of, I didn't take, I didn't right. really, I should have taken one more oh. time off in retrospect. Oh. But yeah, that's your stuff. Yes. So we've got more and more in the visualization space and both, you know, laparoscopic uh, has been a, a kind of a newer area for us. Yeah, but you're coming on very strong. So, in it. Yes, we are. All right. Well, look, I think I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't obscure the real story, which is everything you're doing for breast cancer awareness. And I know you for many, many years. And I know that this means a great deal to you and to all of your and to your entire team. That's Steve McMillan. He's the chairman, president, CEO of Hologic, H-O-L-X. And I'm telling you, people like, people like you are going to make it so we do not have. One day, this is going to be something that will be much different. Let's put it that way than it is right now. Man, money's back in. Coming up. Kramer takes her calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round, next. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, for the lightning round, Chris. I'm going to start with Eric in New Jersey. Eric. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Love your show. Thank you, buddy. What's happening? 
Uh, I was, I'm looking at these midstream stocks, uh, ET in particular. What I think that? ET's good, but stay away from the mass limited partnership mutual funds. They off, they off, act awfully. Buy the stocks. ET's good. Let's go to Deborah in New Mexico. Deborah. Hi, Jim. Sure, we'll your opinion on whether it's a good time to buy Perico. Perico? Perigo. Oh, Perigo. No. Look, if you want knockoff, you want the Kirkland Signature brand, which means you want Casco. How do you like that last week when Mr. Jelinek was on? Was that dynamite? Let's go to Amar in Florida. Amar. Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. I'm a big, big fan. Jimmy, how are you? Ah, Chief, I'm good. How about you? Good, good. I have a two-part question for you, Jimmy. If you can please help me out with this. Sure. One, the part of the question is about Robinhood. I'm a little confused about this. It's trading at book value. They have a lot of cash on hand. UK expansion, profitable last quarter. What am I missing here, Jimmy? Because it's not really that profitable. That's the problem. It's just not. And look, I'm happy to have Vlad on. And I know they're doing a lot of good things. But, you know, look at Goldman Sachs. I mean, you want somebody who's making a lot of money. But all they do is talk about the guy with the uh, spinning the disc already. Enough. He gave that up. Solomon's fine. I mean, $318. That's the stock that sells at 12 times earnings. I'll take that any day, okay? Now, maybe it's partial because I did indeed work there. I crushed it there. A little hyperbole. Let's go to Jimmy. Jimmy! Jimmy! Hey, Jim. Booyah! Do you know everybody called me Jimmy until I got out of business? I was always Jimmy. I don't know. My mommy called me that. Mommy, how do you like that? There's a first. What's up? I, I love it. I'll be there soon. Me and my buddy Ben. Big, big fans, Jim. Love uh, Ben. Curious, curious about all the hype in the AI industry and your take on Palantir over the next few months. Well, for the end okay, of the so year. Palantir actually has real business. I was kind of, I was a little skeptical about those fellows. That's the second time I've honored Will Frost. Renaissance was the other, I think. But I've got to tell you, here's the way I feel about Palantir. They had a really good quarter. And they actually lived up to their hype. So I am reluctant to say anything bad about them, and they're going to make money. So I say Palantir, two cheers for Palantir. Let's go to Jared. Uh, go to Jared. Everybody else is in Connecticut. Jared. Booyah, Jim. Big fan here from the Numex State. All right, buddy. What's happening? What's your opinion on PacWest Bancorp? And do you Move think on. in general? Move on. Move on. I got enough problem trying to tell people to buy the Golden Sacks. Max, you know, I mean, who wants this side uh, at the Pack West? No, we need to go with the, just this tried and true, and they got the murder in it. No, stay away. We stay away. We like, we're, we're, we like Morgan Stanley. We like Wells Fargo. Those are the Chapel Trust names. And I mentioned the Golden Slacks earlier because it just seemed like the right thing to say. Let's go to David in Oklahoma. David. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. Oh. I uh, established a position in Kratos Defense and Security, symbol KTOS. Well, you got horse sense. I like them. By the way, the defense stocks have all come down too much. And I'm, I am going to tell you, I also like Lockheed Martin, okay? And I like General Dynamics. They've all been just crushed. I think people should be looking at this group. It's attractive to me. How about we go to Brent? Oh, my, my old favorite state of Oregon, Brent. Hey, how's it going, Jim? And I thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Uh, thank I, you. Thank you for being from Oregon, which has got... I read about a town, town that had a dog as a mayor in Oregon. And he goes to all the events and he wears a tie. That's my kind of town. Oh, I, I love it. And I was in a little town of talent until he ran me out for lack of. There you have it. You got it. 
All right, what's up? Hey, Embridge. Uh, M- I love to know if it was... All right, the stock uh, keeps going lower forward. because they made this acquisition that nobody understands, which is why Greg Ebel's going to have to come back on and explain it to people because it's got 8% yield and that. Ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, when the Fed finishes tightening, where can the home gamer look to for answers? Interest rate rattling from D.C.'s other corridors when Mad Money returns. There's nothing harder than figuring out what to own in an unprecedented situation. We know what to buy when there's a recession brewing. We know what stocks work when the economy's accelerating. We can easily pick winners when the Fed's almost done tightening. But we don't know what to do when long rates just keep going ineluctably higher, no matter what's happening with short rates. But if they have nothing to do with each other, and we've finally gotten to the point where all of that deficit spending and Federal Reserve bond selling have crowded out natural bond buyers and therefore natural stock buyers, too. By the way, I've never seen such a strong linkage between long bonds and stocks, with the exception of the mega caps. They're all practically joined at the hip. I think a lot of people are starting to believe that we're, that's where we're headed, a lockstep march into the abyss. I know I'm worried about it. In fact, by the way, you have to be a clown if you're not worried about the stuff I'm talking about right now. The Fed hasn't seen much of reaction to its bond sales until very recently. Treasury's obviously oblivious, and even if they weren't, they never explain what they're doing. I've had heated conversations with Treasury officials across three different administrations. Not one of them took me seriously when I suggested that they lock in much lower rates by issuing 30, 40, and 50-year bonds. That ship has sailed. Oh, they all had the reasons. They all spoke as if I were a novice. They were the novices, and they were dead wrong. When you see stories of government shutdowns and deals to avert said shutdowns, you've got to know that this has almost nothing to do with the real budget deficit. If you want the government to borrow less money, you need to commit political suicide, either by slashing spending on incredibly popular mandated programs or by raising taxes. It's the mandatory spending and the interest on the debt that's killing us, not the discretionary side that everybody keeps talking about. Sure, we know that the Biden administration passed some huge legislation that was inherently inflationary, and that certainly hasn't helped either. The real pain comes from the deficit rhetoric. Uh, because, like, this most recent shutdown verbiage, it's so out of step with reality. You always hear Congress people talking about how our grandkids are going to suffer from present-day overspending. Grandkids? Listen, we have the highest interest rates since 2006, in large part because of high inflation now, but also because our government's still borrowing like crazy. So what do we do in this environment? Look, there are a lot of stocks that make sense no matter what, and we're going to find them. But given the tight correlation between the vast bulk of stocks and the S&P 500, aside from a handful of megacaps that can control their own destiny, it'll be difficult to avoid what I regard as a very cogent argument against everything financial. How much money our government owes and how huge the Fed bond holdings are. Both put pressure on the bond market, which in turn hits this market, our stock market. We're going to need to worry about this until we get real budget reform, which means we'll be worrying for a long time. Why? Because when I look at the stunning move in long-term treasuries, it feels like the kind of thing you see from countries facing a currency crisis or hyperinflation. It's not that bad, but it's too close for comfort. For decades, we've taken it for granted that our budget deficit won't matter in our lifetime. But if that's no longer the case, then the bull thesis simply can't be as robust as it should be, because there just won't be enough money willing to take risks in stocks, given the kind of return you can get from bonds. Only the megacaps have some protection from the horrendous moments, I told you at the top of the show. Until we get some signs of seriousness on this issue from Washington, or until the bond market proves maybe this whole thesis I'm talking about wrong, who knows, maybe long rates finally come down hard once the economy cools. It's much harder to be as bullish on large swaths of the stock market as it used to be. Unfortunately, I don't see any of our elected leaders taking this thing seriously for a long, long time. It's theater for them. And without true leadership on the very issue that I'm discussing, we may still have 
some stocks that do well, but not nearly as many as the days when interest rates were much lower and times were much more certain. I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Disclaimer. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.